Hi, and welcome to That Cancer Conversation One to One, a new series where we'll be getting to know the people who make Cancer Research UK what it is. I'm Sophie Wedekind, and in this episode, I'm chatting with Dr. Laura Danielson, the lead for children and young people's research at Cancer Research UK. If you enjoy this podcast or want to keep up with the latest episodes, you can subscribe to us on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. September is Childhood Cancer Awareness Month, and Laura helps develop our dedicated strategy to drive progress for children and young people's cancers. I sat down with her to talk about her journey to Cancer Research UK and what it's like to work in the field of children and young people's cancer. So Laura, welcome to the podcast. I'm going to start with the big question, which is how did you end up working at Cancer Research UK? Yeah, so uh, quite a journey. So I did my PhD in New York City on sarcoma, um, which is a relatively rare tumor type. Uh, my particular sarcoma did occur more often in adults, but its counterpart was very commonly found in children. And that's where I got really introduced to sort of the challenges that can occur when you have a, a tumor type in children. Um, and it was there also that I realized how difficult researching tumor types like these that are relatively rare compared to adult cancers. And I was working on how do these develop and how do they arise and how do they spread. And then when I thought about what I wanted to do with my postdoc, I really wanted to move closer to the patient and patient benefit. And I really wanted to stay in cancers where I knew needed, needed the help, needed to have somebody with a passion and drive to really to, to think about these challenges. Um, and, and I really wanted to be much closer to the clinical side of things. So I sold everything I owned, uh, bought a one-way ticket to London from New York City uh, and, and joined a lab where I was working on neuroblastoma, which is a tumor type that occurs in children. Um, and I was working on developing new therapies specifically for high-risk neuroblastoma. So the, the kids in this category have the lowest chance of survival. And I was working on developing new therapies to, to treat these children. Wow. And you left your home behind as well and all your family and friends so that must not have been an easy decision to make. Yeah, I mean, it certainly wasn't easy. Uh, I literally did not know a single person in this country uh, when, when I landed here. But I've always had a, a real drive for answering questions that were unknown. Uh, and that's what really you know, drove me into the research field uh, in general. And it just became more and more sort of fire inside of me when it became into the fields that I you know, started to learn about and be more passionate about. So when I saw the opportunity, and it was actually a CRUK-funded postdoctoral award, so it's a real homecoming in the fact that I was funded by CRUK uh, to do the research into neuroblastoma. Um, when I saw the opportunity, and it was exactly what I wanted to do, I wanted to work uh, in a lab that was developing the next generation of therapies. I wanted to work in a lab that was funding cutting-edge science, and I wanted to work in a lab that was... Uh, the, the next step that was closest to getting our discoveries into patients and into the world of, of helping these young children. So when you find that and when the opportunity comes, and I was very fortunate to be offered it, you know, I, I, I happily skipped onto the plane, if I'm honest. I mean, my mom probably didn't love it. Um, uh, and, you know, that was, I haven't looked back. So that was over, you know, 10 years ago now. Um, and I'm and so fortunate to be at Sierra UK now to be leading on the work that sort of really uh, inspired me as a researcher and to now be expanding that. Um, you know, I worked on one cancer type and, and one drug, and now I'm able to drive for all cancer types and all options and to really have a much bigger impact. Um, and being in this role at Sir UK is allowing me to do that, which is an incredible privilege that I definitely don't, don't take for granted and really uh, uh, honored to be in the role. 
Mm. I guess when you were in your first role at Cancer Research UK um, in science communication, you really got that ability and opportunity to look at all sorts of amazing research that's happening and to engage with the public, I guess, in a way that a researcher might not normally get to do. But when you were doing your research, was there a moment you experienced that really motivated you to pursue this career switch? I had the extremely fortunate situation of meeting a little girl who was essentially saved by the drug that I was working on. Um, and we got to, to meet her and her family and they, they came into my lab and she put my lab coat on and was literally bouncing around the lab full of life uh, after having been treated with one of the drugs I was working on. And it was amazing because she even pointed on, the, uh, on the, the samples I had on my desk saying, that's my drug, that's my drug. And it really, really hit me and it really showed what my research could do and the difference that my research was making. And the fact that my research actually was one step ahead of where she was in her treatment. Because my research was asking also, what happens if this comes back? What happens if this tumor relapses while on the drug? And it really showed the importance of not only the research that got us to the point where this drug was available for this little girl, but also the research that needed to keep happening to make sure we were one step ahead. Um, but during that time, I started doing a lot more engagement, working in science communications and working with the public, talking about why we do what we do as researchers. Because I, I was doing a lot of it because I loved talking about why we do what we do and why it's so important and seeing that little light bulb come on, that little, you know, the questions they would ask. And I loved working with kids in that setting. I worked with them quite a lot and they come up with the most amazing questions because we always think about these nitty gritty, like the biggest detail of every question. And they'll ask, like, they'll sit back and look at you and ask you a fundamental question. Um, and it's a really, really great experience. And, and I remember uh, being at an event thinking, if I could do this for a living and and make this impact, even 50% of what I felt in this room right now, talking about why my research is so important, then that felt like the right path for me. And, and that's partly why I was able to sort of hang up my lab coat at the time um, and, and move full time into to working for Cancer Research UK and being able to, to translate my skills in that area and my passion for that and, and to really make an impact on a much bigger scale. And what was that like to see that kind of personal connection with this drug that you were working on? I was, I was literally speechless. I just, I, I can still, I can close my eyes and just imagine it as, as a, a, I can relive this sort of moment of that. And it really drove it home for me because, you know, I called it by its name, you know, it's technical name, like ABC123, you know, and for me, it was the drug that I was testing. Um, and until you see a life that that drug has actually saved and the connection this little girl had with it uh, was incredible. And she knew and she understood the power of her drug mm. and what that drug meant. And Again, that's just one example of, of all of the children across the UK. You know, 4,200 children a year in the UK are diagnosed, children and young people diagnosed with cancer. Uh, so, you know, that was just one representation of all the different stories that are happening across the UK. Um, and so being able to be part of her story uh, was, was an absolute honour. Um, and, you know, so now being here, I, I feel, although slightly more removed because I'm not in the lab doing it, um, but I know that I can be a part of all of those children's journeys by by being able to lead on, on the work that CRUK is doing in this space. Mm. And that knowledge is really powerful as well. And there's still quite a lot of fear around the word cancer. And a diagnosis can be world altering for so many people. Um, so when you have someone who's able to communicate that and actually tell you and explain it, 
you feel like you have a little bit more power to move forward. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And in fact, our information pages at CRUK are obviously really popular and we have children's and, and, and we just launched a specific young person's one. Um, as part of our Teenage and Young Adult Cancer Awareness Month launched in last April. So, and we've got feedback from the public about how you know, that, that page is so meaningful and to have the information, particularly for that age group, is so important. So, yeah, absolutely right. And you also mentioned when you were talking about your time as a researcher that there are quite a few challenges that come with children and young people's cancer research. What sort of challenges did you come across? yeah. As a researcher, I, yeah, I sort of experienced firsthand some of the challenges that we have uh, for children and young people's research. Uh, one of them is not necessarily having the same amount of resource uh, and, and infrastructure that uh, a lot of adult cancer researchers can experience. You know, for example, uh, in my work, there was only two, three cell lines that existed for my cancer type in the world. Uh, you know, to, for comparison, you know, other, other cancer types, you will have hundreds. Labs themselves will, can produce that many on their own, and you have lots of patient-derived models and cell lines available. But because my cancer type was so rare, I only had access to three cell lines. Uh, and that immediately meant that I couldn't publish my work in a really, really high-impact journal because there's a threshold of how many cell lines you have to test your work in. Um, so, you know, there's immediate challenges in that way, not having the right models to do your, your work in, not having the right cell lines. Um, and that's actually a really important part of our strategy as an organization to really um, make sure our, our research community has the tools and infrastructure and resources they need to do world-class, high-quality leading research. The other challenge I uh, really ran into, and I'll never forget this day, I must say, um, is in my lab uh, where I was working on, on drug development, I had tested a, a drug in our model uh, and it worked and it got to the imaging screen and it like slowly, you know, ticked up as the image came into resolution. I was like, the tumor's gone. The tumor's gone. And I, I, mean, I remember I can feel it now, I'm almost getting goosebumps, I can feel it. And I was like, the tumor's gone, it's worked. And it was actually the first time uh, that we were ever able to test um, in this model, this particular new therapy. Um, and, and we discussed with the, the pharmaceutical company this drug. And because cancers in this in the pediatric world and children and young people are less common than adult cancers, there's a, a lack of engagement with industry in this space. Uh, it's a real challenge uh, to try and get new therapies and new drugs to children and young people. And we were basically told that they weren't going to be opening a trial for children and young people with this drug. Um, and I remember walking away thinking, but what do you mean? Like, look, I just showed you it could work, yeah. you know, and and it perhaps slightly naive on my part in the sense that I'm like, well, this is all you need to see, right? Like yeah. it works. Let's save the children. But it's much more complicated than that. These trials are really expensive. They need to be international. And there's a lot of barriers to international work in, in terms of getting these trials up and running for children and young people. Um, and so, you know, happy to say that trial did eventually get run in the U.S. and it is now uh, coming to the U.K. So it does happen, but it takes a long time. Mm. Um, and, and there's a lot of cases where it doesn't happen. Um, and there is a barrier that just literally stops drug development uh, and new therapy development for children and young people. So that's a real area um, of focus for us as well at Cancer Research UK, really thinking about how can we develop new drugs for these patients? Um, because, you know, Quite a, quite a few of these tumor types will be responsive to chemotherapy, which is great. And, you know, the overall survival, survival for children and young people's cancers is over 80%, which is fantastic. Um, but there's still 20% who don't survive. And it's also really toxic treatment for these young kids. So 
it's really, really important that we as an organization and we as a collective, you know, mission shared uh, group uh, can really think about how we address these these barriers particularly. Yeah, 100%. And that's a really important area for families because, as you said, treatment can be quite toxic. And those experiences um, can really stay with not only children and young people who've gone through that, but their loved ones too. So it's really important that we highlight personal stories and address those challenges. And that's those are the things that really drive our research. Yes, absolutely. And I think particularly when I talk a lot about what we're what we're doing in this space, what really, really resonates with me um, and I know can resonate with the public is the fact that I'd already mentioned that 4,200 children uh, a year in the UK on average are diagnosed with cancer. You know, there's families currently sat right now uh, in a hospital about ready to get a diagnosis um, for their child or young person. And people can resonate with that. It, it's it's a horribly devastating disease for these young young children and for the families, and it's hugely affecting. And, you know, I'm, uh, I'm a mom now. Now I have two young children, and when I came into this role, um, it very uniquely impacted me in that way. Um, and everybody can resonate, you know, those of those children who are who are diagnosed. We as an organization and myself as a person want to do everything we can to make sure that those children not only survive their diagnosis, which some of them, you know, won't have an eth- effective therapy known today, the day they're diagnosed. Mm-hmm. Many of them, because as I said, overall survival has, has increased dramatically over the years. Many of them will survive, which is fantastic. But as I mentioned, the therapies that they're receiving are, are very toxic. And these children and young people have the rest of their life to live. So we have to consider the long-term effects. And we need to make sure that those that do survive also do so with a good quality of life. And it's a message of, of hope that we can give as an organization um, that we are you know, doing what we can to tackle these, these barriers to progress in this space. Um, and I uniquely feel it every night. You know, I, I put my kids to bed and... I know that, you know, I've, I've spent that day doing what I can uh, as a person, but with an organization as well um, that is really driven in, in prioritizing children and young people's cancers within our research strategy um, and, and really working with other like-minded organizations, patients, parents and carers with lived experience, uh, our researchers. I mean, my, my days go from talking to somebody in, in policy to talking to some, you know, the researchers around challenges to talking about the events team, about how we can pull a conference together to galvanize our researchers. Every day is different. Um, and every day and every meeting plays a unique part of what we can do as an organization to drive progress. And, you know, as I sort of tuck my kids into bed, I, I give them an extra squeeze because this is a highly emotive area I work in. But also, uh, you know, have have a confidence knowing that I've spent that day bringing us one day closer um, to, to really being able to say that all children, every child or young person diagnosed can have a good outcome uh, and and live, uh, you know, a longer, better life free from from the fear of cancer. Um, and that means a lot to me uh, to be able to, to do that. We hope you enjoyed this episode of That Cancer Conversation one-to-one. And if you like, you can rate the podcast and leave a review. And if there's a cancer conversation you'd like us to have, you can email us your idea at sciencesurgery at cancer.org.uk. This episode was produced by the digital news team at Cancer Research UK. Thanks for listening and talk to you next time.